So hello and welcome to Cultivating Conversations podcast. I'm Steve Collins from Chaseman Global and today we're joined by Yazir Kokar from Connectera. Yazir is the CEO and co-founder of Connectera and has joined us to share with us his insights from the ag tech sector, share the journey that he started at Connectera and share his advice for agricultural technology startups right now. So Yazir, thank you for, for joining us. Um, Thanks for having me. No problem and let's jump straight into it shall we so first off could you please tell us a little more about about you and, and your background and um give the, the listeners an insight into into you sure thanks for the intro steve um right so i'm the co-founder and ceo of connectera um, we are a um, startup scale-up based out of amsterdam in the netherlands uh, about uh, 34 people operating in um, 14 countries now. And well, the story of Connectera and my personal background uh, is uh, an interesting story, I guess. Um, so I don't come from the ag industry. I spent uh, 11 years at Microsoft. Uh, technically, this is the third company that I founded. I started my first business uh, when I was 16, uh, back in the mid to late 90s, um, sort of capitalizing on the what eventually became the the internet and the dot-com bubble and bust. Um, I guess I like building things. I'm a software engineer by education. And uh, my first company was doing a lot of e-commerce work. Uh, the second one that I started right after that in the early 2000s while I was in college uh, was working in the space of um, interesting. Uh, computer vision, we were doing sentiment analysis for uh, television stations, and it oh. was kind of my first um, introduction to machine learning, and uh, AI didn't really exist back then. Um, did that for a couple of years, um, learned some interesting, valuable lessons, life lessons, etc., and uh, then joined Microsoft based out of Dubai, where I was there for about uh, 10 years or something, nine to 10 years, um, was uh, eventually bored of, uh, of the desert and decided for a change of scenery to the Netherlands. Uh, with Microsoft, I was heading up their office division for Western Europe on the consumer side and um, ended up living on a dairy farm. And that's a long story how that happened. Um, <laughs> But it's kind of where um, these two ideas that I had uh, came together for Connectera. And in my career at Microsoft, I'd done quite a bit of work around uh, technology as well. And back in 2007, I'd authored the company strategy for smart cities. And that was my first introduction to IoT and sensors. Again, IoT wasn't a thing back then. Um, and this crazy idea that was knocking around in my head, well, if you could put sensors in the real world everywhere, and then you could use machine learning to understand what the interaction was between uh, different physical objects, could you make a model of the real world and then be able to predict um, or at least understand what is happening in our physical world? And 
this was really looking at could we use this to solve problems of consequence. Um, and um, at that point I was kind of looking for, um, I had a hammer and I was looking for a nail, so to speak, right? Okay. And I was talking to my neighbor, the farmer, and I had a friend who had just quit investment banking and started a dairy farm. And they kept telling me to look into agriculture. And when I had a look into it, I was just absolutely blown away by the scale of the problem, uh, the what we call the, the agriculture problem, uh, where essentially it's an optimization problem. You need more food, you have less people coming into agriculture, and we need to change the way we farm. And that was sort of a really ideal problem to solve with this concept of data and sensors. And that's how Connectera came into being, and that's how I got into Connectera. At least that's the genesis story. I guess that's the the only kind of concept that you can maybe trade the desert for, um, and and find the the nail that you were looking for. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Sad is the the co-founder there. How how did you meet Sad, and how did your your paths cross with Sad? Mm. Um, Sad and I know each other for. 24 years, uh, we were in college together and um, we'd sort of done a lot of our senior year projects together. So we've we've been good friends ever since then. And when I had this idea, I called up Saad and I was like, listen, I've got this crazy idea. Um, and are you, you know, we could just start working on this on weekends. And uh, I sort of met him in Seattle. He was also at Microsoft uh, based in Redmond. And he was totally game. And uh, initially, this just started as um, something that we were uh, tinkering with. And uh, this was way back in 2013. Okay, fantastic. And as you know, we, we at Chaseman, we, we love Connectera. We have the, the cow with the collar on our wall. So <laughs> <laughs> if you could share a little bit with, with the listeners the, the beauty of the product and, and how it solves the issues, that you mentioned earlier, that'd be great. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I'll go back to the problem statement and it's a fairly well-known problem statement uh, now at least, um, but here's a little bit of more context around it. So first of all, world population's growing and that's a fact. And by 2050, 2060, we're going to hit peak population there are some projections that say it's going to start tapering off after that. Uh, but the next 20 to 30 years, we're, we're heading towards peak population on the planet. And in order to sustain that population, in order to sustain uh, food production, we need a 60% increase. At the same time, we're losing labor, depending on which area you're in, and dairy farming, you have a lot of farms that are simply closing down while cattle populations are remaining fairly steady, less and less people and less and less knowledge is staying within the industry. And due to climate change, it's changing not just our growing patterns, it's also having an impact on the planet. Agriculture is a fairly uh, climate intensive activity. So with Connectera and our product IDA, what we're looking at is how do you optimize the farm for efficiency, for sustainability, and not just the farm, but how do you optimize the entire value chain? 
And in order to do this, you need high quality data. And that's kind of where the whole sensor story comes in. Um, we built the sensor because we needed a high quality data source. And we and one of the key sources for the dairy and protein industry is the dairy cow. So you need to instrument the dairy cow. And that's why we built the sensor. Um, but that's not the only data source. We now integrate with about 15 different farm management systems. We integrate with third party data sources. And IDA is an intelligence. We are building an intelligence that is learning how to operate sustainable farms and efficient farms by using data from several different sources. And the beauty of the product, I guess, is in the impact that we've had. Um, with um, Wackeningen University, we've been running a three-year study on the impact of our technology um, in farms. And we've reduced antibiotic usage by 50%. We've improved, oh. improved efficiency by 20%. We've reduced labor by 20%. Um, and these are pretty big numbers uh, for a tech that's just about three years old. And we're very confident that we're going to be able to improve upon not this, just these numbers, but even more. Fantastic. So fast forward then a few years and obviously you've won awards for innovation you've achieved your funding milestones you've hired some great people what's the what's the vision for connect era next what do the next five to ten years look like hmm. so there's um the ultimate vision of connect era <clears throat> of connect era is to empower farmers and to make the agriculture industry and to make farming efficient. And that's sort of our ultimate vision. And we're making those steps starting from dairy and hopefully we in the next five to 10 years, we expand into other um, subsectors of the industry as well. And we're very mission driven as a company. It drives a lot of what we do. It drives a lot of our decision making um, and empowering the farmer is really top of our of our list and as you see farms getting bigger and as you see the need coming from consumers to get more insights into how food is grown um, you will see us uh, working more and more towards having sustainability angles into ida and how we can help transition the industry using data to identify and implement practices um, that make farming more sustainable and more efficient. Okay, fantastic. So, I guess that that brings us nicely onto my my next question. Then, obviously, agriculture in general, and of course, livestock farming are seeing huge pressure mm -hmm. from an environmental perspective. What are your thoughts on the relationship between climate change and agriculture? Well, agriculture is the most impacted industry um, from climate change. And it's um, it's a serious problem, climate change on agriculture. Um, there's also an, an issue around how much does agriculture contribute itself to climate change? And those are two different problems. And I think we need to uh, box them separately. One is how are food growing patterns changing because of climate change? 
that's one big problem because it has an impact on food safety and food security for governments and for us as, as humans. And as a species, we don't survive if we don't have food. Um, and then the second is, well, is the activity itself impacting climate? And that's a complicated one. Um, it's very easy to um, ignore a 12-cylinder uh, gas-guzzling car and point a finger at a cow and say, well, the cow is the problem. Um, whereas if you look at the data, um, the real problem is energy. Um, yes, agriculture does contribute, and livestock in particular is about 14% to global greenhouse gas emissions, according to uh, the latest results. Um, there are room, there is room for improvement. But what you see in livestock farming specifically is that the emissions are actually methane. And methane is, it lasts for about 10 years in the atmosphere. And if you keep the livestock population constant, the methane levels remain constant because of the way that you'll have cows that are born, cows that will die, their emissions go away. And over 10 years, you actually get a net zero effect. So the key trick over here is to ensure that we don't add a lot more to the livestock population and we can make it more efficient to meet with the demands that we're going to have of food production. The second thing is a new concept called regenerative agriculture. And while it's new, it's being adopted by a lot of the big companies uh, in the space, like um, you have Danon, for instance, that's launched farming for generations. You have Arla, you have Nestle, all looking at this aspect because livestock actually helps you make your soil and your land um, better. And it also helps you sequester carbon from the atmosphere and store it into the ground. Now, these are new concepts. They are still being studied and tested, but they are promising. And we believe that livestock can actually be a part of the solution. And finally, there are companies that are doing some amazing work around um, looking at diet that goes to livestock um, that can help reduce the methane and enteric fermentation emissions that you get from livestock. And finally, just one little point that I would add. Uh, you also need to draw a distinction between beef and dairy. And those are again, uh, if you look at the total livestock population, including beef, you've got about 1.3, 1.4 billion uh, cattle. Dairy is about 300 million. And there is room for us to improve across all of these sectors. Uh, but consider that they're also part of the solution. Of course, and so it, it would be fair to say then that you've, you've started Connectera at a time when climate change is top of everyone's agenda. How has that influenced your, your decision-making? You mentioned mission-driven. How did that influence the, the ideation and, and you now when you're looking to raise funds? Mm -hmm. I think it, um, so we've had this embedded in our mission from day one. Um, so I wouldn't say that it's the the rise of climate change uh, conversations over the past two, two and a half years has 
fundamentally changed or um, impacted our mission. We've been on this for a couple of years now. Um, in terms of funding, um, obviously we've attracted impact investors uh, like Pimbamek into Connectera with a strong focus on sustainability and climate change. Um, from a funding point of view, I think it's a little too early to to say uh, because the, the time horizon to see results on climate change and the fact that a lot of the work that's being done is still um, in early stages. I'm not sure how that fits with uh, the, the life cycle of a lot of funds. There are, however, a lot of uh, funds coming up. There is money going into the space, uh, but it's still early stages there. I think we've been fortunate that we've been uh, one of the uh, earlier companies looking at the space, and we already have some results to show. And that, that brings me nicely on to my next question again. It's almost <laughs> as if you, you read my mind, is it? Um, as a CEO of a of a successful startup in the ag tech space, what's what's been the key to your success or the keys to your success, would you say? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so I think the team makes a huge difference. Um, I would, we have a very strong team at Connectura and um, I think every time that we've gone through funding rounds, we've um, we've had great feedback on the team. Um, ag, so tech in ag is not new. Ag tech is new. Um, and I think a lot of the tech that has existed in the space um, has been built from within the industry. And we came from outside the industry and looked at it very differently. I think that the, the team and that perspective has been one of our key success factors. And that led to another interesting, I think, success factor for us is that we had no notion of what was difficult or easy in the ag space. Um, and as a consequence, when we approached the problem with IDA, for instance, I'll give you a simple example. Um, the industry talks about data. Everybody's talking about data and they've been talking about data for a long time. And there's this idea that more is better. And we came and looked at it and said, actually, um, more is not better. In fact, no data is great. So when we built IDA, we actually took away all of the data for the end user. We crunch a lot of data. We are an AI company. We we have you know guys with PhDs and, and data science and AI and stuff. That's a core DNA of the company, but there is no data in the product. So simplifying the product for the end user so that it becomes usable is a tenant that we brought in from the tech industry. And I think marrying the, the lessons that we learned from tech, bringing them to ag and then using the latest and greatest technologies to deliver that to the end user, having key success factors. And then finally, I would also add, um, we've also been uh, fortunate and we've worked very hard um, to get marquee customers in early stages. So with Danon, uh, we've been working with them now for about three, three and a half years. Um, has also been a very good validation of what we do and uh, how it's helped us uh, successfully raise funds. 
Fantastic. And obviously it's all been paying off because earlier this year you, you've had a really successful fundraising round. Mm-hmm. And I know that's no mean feat, of course, and, and can be an incredibly stressful time. So what was it like for you and what advice would you give to other leaders going through a fundraising process right now? Um, don't fundraise in a pandemic, I guess. That's, <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, that's my like first advice. If there's a global pandemic, I mean, you know, just find another time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that said, um, oftentimes you don't have a choice. Um, and I think we found ourselves in that space as well is um, we were fundraising and then the corona crisis hit. Uh, and frankly speaking, I think the first wave which happened in March was the worst um, because nobody knew what was going to happen. Nobody knew how bad this was going to be. Um, so it was um, it was a tough time for everybody. Um, and I'm really proud of my team that we uh, were able to successfully fundraise despite um, an apparent global meltdown. Um, look for fundraising um, in the ag tech space. It's um, it's not easy because there's not a whole lot of um, specialist funds. And depending on what industry and sector you're in, um, your funding will your funding strategy changes. So if you're a marketplace, for instance, and, and you're working in the ag tech space, it's a little bit easier because a lot of the the VCs and investors can um, relate to marketplaces. Sure, you're working in the agriculture space, but you're a marketplace. But the more specific you get towards farming. Um, the avenues for fundraising then become slightly more complicated because you have less and less specialists in specific sectors and specific types of farming. And your best friend is execution. So if your numbers and your execution can talk for themselves, um, then that's an easy story to tell as well. Um, and we're pretty execution, we're very execution focused at Connect Our pretty execution focused. And uh, I think that was one of the the key drivers for us to land um, successful fundraise within the pandemic because we have uh, we have the evidence um, and the path that we're on. You fuel it and it continues to grow. Fantastic. No, go ahead. It sounded like I stopped you in mid-flow then. <laughs> so, uh, well, um, I think I kind of covered that. I mean, I could go on forever about fundraising and you know how it's different for different stages and how it's different in the US and Europe. But yeah, you'll have to stop me at some point on that. <laughs> of course, and I guess the the simple advice: don't fundraise during a pandemic is probably <laughs> good advice for anybody. Um, so. I guess on the flip side of that, then, what advice would you pass on to other founders um, from maybe lessons that you've learned, whether they be hard lessons over your your experience so far? Oh, that's a broad question. Um, hmm. Well, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with the top three that come to my mind. Um, and the first one I'd say is, um, raise a bigger seed round. Um, don't leave money on the table in your early stages. Um, it always takes longer and you'll always need more money. And I wouldn't worry too much about dilution in your early rounds. And in in your seed round, your investor is making a bet on the team and they're making a bet on the idea. 
And that is where you have the most freedom to express your vision of the product. Um, and you don't want to compress that uh, because you're going to be short on cash. Once you get customers, then the, the, the ball game completely changes because then you're looking at revenues and multiples and so on and so forth. So I'd say bigger seed rounds so you can build a good product is, is one advice that I'd say. Even though we had a pretty decent seed round, if I look back, I probably would have done a little bit more. Okay. Um, the second thing I'd give advice on is um, everything takes longer in agriculture. Simply because of the industry. Um, the target customer is not bound to um, what a lot of other industries are, which is the market and quarterly results and competition. Um, in many cases, if you're if you are farmer focused or if you're really boots on the ground, um, the sense of urgency is seasonal. Um, and you have to go through different seasons and different um, different types of environments. And there's really um, the it, it's going to take you long. So get in for the long ride. Um, if if you if you're getting into this space and you you like agriculture and you're starting a startup around it, you better really like it because you'll be doing it for a long time. So don't start something you don't like. OK. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme by any means. Um, and the third thing that I'd say is, um, and this has really worked for us, being mission-driven and being authentic about your mission, while this sounds a bit fluffy, um, has had huge benefits for us, not just in attracting talent, but as I mentioned earlier, um, guiding our decision-making, and also being able to attract the right type of investors. Um, we truly believe in what we are doing and we truly see the results of what we are doing. Um, and that is a very gratifying feeling and being seen as, as and being recognized for that has really worked for us. It doesn't mean that every mission needs to be um, noble and has to be sustainable and climate, but I've spoken about this in other forums as well. Um, but being mission driven, I think, is going to be the future of companies for the next um, era to come. And you can't understate the importance of that. Absolutely. And if we were to take a step back from from Connectera and business in general, where do you see the future of agriculture? What technologies do you think will be driving the change and, and what does that look like in your mind? Uh, um, well, agriculture isn't going away anywhere, right? Um, so it is one of those industries that um, is never going to go away. As long as humans exist, you're going to need food. And the future of agri, if you look at agriculture, if I take the historical context of agriculture, a lot of mechanization, um, so post-World War II, you saw this huge boom in agriculture efficiency that came not just from um, nitrogen and fertilizers, but also mechanization. And what we're now seeing 
is that we're going from this macro mechanization of agriculture where essentially you have these massive combines and tractors and machinery that automated a lot of the labor problems. You're now heading more and more and more towards um, precision and data driven um, agriculture. If you look at what Google's been working in with um, their moonshot labs at Google X, they call it computational agriculture. If you look at what we're up to with Connectera, again, it's a form of computational agriculture. So yes, it's going to get data driven, but I think it's going to be more. It's not just data driven, um, but you're going to be using data to drive action and you're going to be using those insights to fundamentally change um, the way we operate. Robotics is on the rise. I think it's going to take some time. But robotics combined with closed environments like uh, what you're seeing with um, some vertical farms um, are very interesting technologies coming up. At the same time, we're also seeing um, that within agriculture, there's a lot of innovation that's happening within the biology space of agriculture as well. So you've had GMOs, but now you're looking at some really interesting feed, for instance, for cattle, which is less um, uh, severe for the climate with lower methane emissions. And I think agriculture is going to intrinsically get linked with climate goals. And the two things are going to go hand in hand and you're going to have a lot more tech that's going to be used. And finally, what I would add is this may or may not be a good thing for the way you think about it is you're going to get farms that are going to get bigger. And you're going to get um, labor that's going to be far more um, managers of farms who are far more tech savvy than they've ever been. This is an industry that hasn't been digitized and automated. And it's time has come. No, I agree. And I think that we're, we're seeing that with lots of our clients. Obviously, we love the work that you guys do at Connectera. We work with people in the in the robotics space, as our listeners will know if they listen to episode one. Um, we work with people in the biological space, if our listeners listen to episode two. So it's something that that we're seeing as well and I think it can only be a positive both for, for agriculture and, and the climate really. Mm -hmm. So I guess from, from me thank you so much for your, for your time is here and thank everyone for listening and um, we hope you found this really interesting. If you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast that would be brilliant plus please do listen to episode one and two as I mentioned. Um, Yazir thank you for your time it's been a pleasure. Um, Likewise. Uh, I hope you have a great day. Yeah, you too. Take care, Steve.